The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Skulls here, and in addition to that, Alex Lucifero. Courtesy of Sam Fury to Mark and LLP. So reach out to Alex and his team. That's help at employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. On the show this evening, we're to the top five employment law myths. That's coming up. If we've got time, get to some of your email. But as mentioned, your phone calls here live on air are always top priority. There's no dumb questions. Just bring them on. You're helping everybody else who's listening. How do you do it? 416 870 6,400 to get on air. Alex, we got the uh, the case of the day, pal. What uh, What's cooking on your end, friend? Hey, Johnny. Thanks very much. Happy Monday evening to you. Well and truly into the work week now. And even better than that, of course, we're back for another live edition of the Employment Law Show. Talking our favorite subjects, of course, workplace rights, severance, temporary layoffs, really anything under the sun. If it has to do with your employment, with your work, we're here to take those calls, take all of your questions. And as you very well mentioned, John, we're live for the next half hour until 7 p.m. So feel free to give us a call. Let's get your employment law questions uh, answered. Uh, speak to people every single day talking about the case of the day, John. You know, I spoke to a number of people today, uh, in particular, who thank us for doing this show, for informing the public on what their rights are when it comes to employment law. And listen, our callers on this show are a huge part of that, uh, John, as you well know. No matter how big or how small your problem or your question is, it's going to be an important one. You cannot let employment problems fester. Uh, and so oftentimes these situations become worse, actually, if you let them linger, if you let them fester, they become more complicated, more complex. So you want to get advice on whatever issue you're dealing with as quickly as possible right away. And of course, by calling in and asking your question, you're getting that situation on the road to a resolution. And not only that, not only are you giving yourself, of course, uh, a chance to resolve your situation for us to help you out. Trust me, by asking your question, you're going to be helping a lot of other people out there who are dealing with the exact same situation, the exact same scenario, the exact same legal mm-hmm. uh, question. So please, we want to hear from you. This is your chance to speak with an employment lawyer. Uh, and again, get uh, that workplace problem sorted. So, case of the day, uh, John, to get us all warmed up for tonight's show and uh, for all our new listeners out there, we always start the show with a segment we call the case of the day. It's an opportunity to talk about a matter that came across my desk personally uh, today. Spoke to a a very nice gentleman and his nephew, uh, uh, John. He was helping him out on the call. He was a bit of an older gentleman. Uh, uh, Spoke to these two uh, individuals earlier this afternoon. Interesting situation, John, and of course the reason why I share it uh, is uh, this uh, older gentleman, he was in his early 70s, he had worked for the same company in construction for about 31 years, John, okay. quite the uh, quite the tenure, long service employee here. Now, because he worked in construction, and this isn't always the case, uh, John, but for a lot of construction employees out there, he was a seasonal employee, so he'd work spring, summer, fall, and he'd get laid off every winter uh, for a number of weeks, usually something like November to April. He'd be laid off. He'd collect employment insurance, receive EI, and then get called back to work, you know, each and every spring. And this happened, John, you know, over the course of literally decades. Again, he was a 31-year wow. employee. 
lo and behold, this year, right, and we're we're of course in 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 June by now, or almost into July, right? This year, he didn't get a call back to work, uh, uh, John. And actually, well, actually, he did get a call back, but the call back he got was to say that there was no work available for him mm-hmm. this year. And so they just said, your layoff continues, right? We've got no work for you. That's it. Not only that, uh, John, but in very casually, uh, when his employer advised him that there was no work for him this summer, his employer, and this was a, a payroll clerk, if I understood correctly, very casually told this individual, ah, you know what, You're, you, know, you should retire already. What, what are you looking for, for continued work for? Right? So very casually saying, oh, you know, I, why are you even looking to work uh, again? You should be retired by now. So listen, first things first, uh, John, there is no mandatory age of retirement in Ontario. An employee can work, uh, you know, until however years old that they are. There is no, there's no set date by which an employee has to retire. This gentleman's in his early seventies. He can work until he's, you know, perfectly Dead. fit and, yes. and capable of working or until he's dead. Exactly. And that's his prerogative. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So completely inappropriate comment on the part of this employee. It actually borders, if not, it, you know, it's outright age discrimination. John, an employer or a representative of an employer should never be making comments about an employee's age or their retirement or their ability to work, right? That is potentially discrimination. If this company decided not to call this guy back because of his age or because of an assumption that he should be retiring at his age, that is discrimination under the Human Rights Code, and that is going to lead to a penalty and to a uh, ultimately an award of damages to the employee. You cannot treat an employee differently on the basis of age. You cannot assume that they don't want to work or that they can't work because of their age. And that's point number one. Point number two here, John, and this situation does happen from time, you know, time to time with mm-hmm. seasonal employees. The fact that this gentleman wasn't called back to work in the spring, uh, John. So again, he was a seasonal employee, worked spring, summer, fall, each and every year, laid off in the winter. The fact that they didn't call him back, John, is a termination of his employment. They've breached the terms of the implied or the kind of default settings of the employment contract of his terms of employment, and it's an out-and-out termination. This gentleman is now allowed to seek severance. Right. 30 plus years of service with the company in his early 70s and he was in a kind of general laborer position this gentleman is owed 24 months of severance uh, john the company doesn't even know what they've done here but they've terminated this guy's employment he was making about 50 grand a year john this gentleman is owed a hundred thousand dollars in severance this is not a complicated or difficult situation this is the way the law works when it comes to termination and when it comes to severance. So, long story short, we're going to be working with this gentleman and working on his behalf to get him his proper severance entitlements. It's a lesson for employees out there. Just because you're seasonal, maybe just because you're part-time or your employment circumstances are a little different, if you're let go from your job, guess what? You're owed severance. doesn't matter that you're seasonal. doesn't matter that you might be part-time or have special circumstances. And secondly, be careful how you treat employees based on their age. Be careful what comments you make to employees about retirement. There is an age discrimination element to this case that is going to have to be addressed as well. And listen, I'll keep I'll keep you and our listeners posted as to how this case proceeds over the course of the next few weeks. 
Let me ask you this just before we uh, go to break here in a second. I know the uh, 24 is generally the max. I mean, that guy's 70, 31 years, first year 24. Would he get possibly a little more enhanced severance beyond the 24? Would it be one of those cases based on the fact that, A, three decades, and the guy's 70 at this point? Yeah, that's right. It's a great question, uh, John. And there are certainly cases out there where if you have exceptionally long service and you're, yeah. you know, on the older side of, uh, of the scale when it comes to your age and also dependent on your position as well. Sure, there are cases that will go to 26 months, 28 wow. months, maybe even sometimes 30 months. That is a possibility here. They're the exception, John, rather than the rule. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of call that a guarantee. Yep. Uh, but 24 months is, is probably the lower end of the range based on yeah. this individual's age position and years of service. The top five employment law myths. That topic is coming up here. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. We're going to get into this, Alex. Top five employment law myths. Myth number one, your employer can only uh, let you go if you've got a good reason. That's right. Yeah, we're obviously talking about myths here, mm. uh, John, and they're really, uh, they're really misconceptions that we as employment lawyers field every single day. And this is pretty much the top five. And I, and I have to say, this is top of the list. Uh, John, I, uh, I think I get this question every single day. Uh, and of course, we as employment lawyers speak to individuals every single day that have been let go from their jobs. And almost always, John, the first thing that comes up in that conversation, and listen, don't get me wrong, this is a stressful period in anyone's life. You've just lost your job. You're worried about your finances. You're wondering what in the world happened that led me to this situation, right? And the first thing that comes to mind for many people is, what did I do wrong, right? And a lot of people in this situation are thinking, I'm a good performer with the company. I have good performance reviews. Uh, I meet all of the expectations, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it leads them to the question, why me? Why was I chosen to be let go? And lots of people as well have this understanding, and it's ultimately a misconception, that perhaps they can dispute the termination on that basis. They can challenge the fact that they've been terminated because they were such a strong performer or because perhaps the company didn't have good reason to let them go. And I have to say, John, in 99% of, of uh, occasions, the reason for termination, whether the reason was quote-unquote good enough or not, does not factor into the equation at all. An employer is completely within its rights to let any employee go for any reason, really, or, John, for no reason at all. Technically speaking, you don't need a reason to let an employee go. This is, of course, in the private sector, when we're talking about non-unionized uh, workplaces. In the unionized sector, it's a little different. But in non-unionized workplaces, an employer doesn't need a reason to let an employee go. It could be that it's not a good fit. It could be for restructuring purposes. It could be for financial reasons, right, and cutting costs. Or again, it could be for no reason at all. It doesn't matter, John. What ultimately matters, what legal recourse that employee has is in making sure that if they are the ones that have been let go from their job, that they are owed the correct amount of severance, that they are paid proper severance based on their age, position, right. and years of service. For example, John, you can be, you know, speaking about performance, you can be the best employee in the company with stellar performance reviews year in, year out. You can be an average employee. You can even be a subpar employee, John. 
those people are going to be owed the same amount of severance, their performance or the reason why they were let go doesn't factor into the equation. Employment law myth number two. Here we go again. Call in anytime. Don't hesitate. 416-870-6400. Number two is this, Alex. When you were let go, you received you know, two weeks of severance for every year of service. Everybody thinks that, right? Yeah, this is. Uh, I think we can ca- uh, classify these as one A and one B, uh, John, because this is uh, this is the the second most popular misconception or myth out there when it comes to employment law, and that is the famous. And it could be one or two weeks, quite frankly, but this famous one or two weeks per year of service as a calculation uh, of of severance, and it's just simply false, uh, uh, John. There is no ro- rule or law out there that says you're owed one or two weeks per year of service as severance. That's not the way severance works. As we alluded to at the start of the show, and as I just kind of referred, uh, referenced uh, briefly beforehand, severance is going to be based on an employee's age, position, and years of service. The older you are, the longer you've been with the same company, or in other words, to put it a different way, the longer you've been out of the job market, right? right? And the more senior or even the more specialized your position is, and that speaks to, you know, the availability that you might have in the job market moving forward to look for a comparable role, the more severance you're going to receive. So again, it's based on age, position, and years of service. I cannot tell you, John, and no one can tell you that it's one or two weeks per year of service. Oftentimes, it's far more than that. But what I mean by that is there's no mathematical formula to be had here, John. I can't even tell you it's a month per year of service or five weeks per year of service or three weeks per year of service. Again, that is not how severance uh, works. All I can say is in the vast majority of people that we speak to on a daily basis, employers will under-offer severance almost every single time. I cannot remember, John, the last time I spoke to somebody who had been let go and I advised them that their severance offer was perfectly reasonable and a great offer and that she and they should accept it. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, it doesn't happen. Almost always an employer will offer less than what an employee is actually owed as a severance. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. They're looking to pay as little as possible, unfortunately, an employer is looking for its bottom line. All right, and it's up to then the employee to look out for him or herself, right, and negotiate a better package. And of course, that's what we do all day, every day. And the good news is that it's not overly complicated. We can resolve these situations quite often, very straightforwardly, and with very little fuss. And we'll continue here, just getting another uh, call lined up as we move into our uh, third of the top and five employment law myths. Being a contractor, oh, that means you don't get severance pay, Alex. Sorry. Yep, yep, another another big one, uh, uh, John, the issue of what we call independent contractors. Yes. And, and of course, we get questions, you know, all the time about independent contractors, whether they should be uh, owed pension or whether they should be paying employment yeah. insurance, all kinds of kind of technical questions about what employment con- or independent contractors, what they can and can't do, uh, John. But oftentimes, if not always, the bigger question is, well, hold on a sec here. If you've been let go, despite the fact that you're an independent contractor, you may still be owed severance because almost always the substance of that relationship, despite what they call themselves, the substance of of that relationship is an employment relationship. A lot of times these 
independent contractors work for one employer, get paid at regular intervals, uh, they work a nine-to-five job, they have very clear directions on what they can and can't do, they have to ask the company for vacation, you know, all of the hallmarks of an employment relationship, they tick the box, John, despite the fact that they are called independent contractors. So guess what? In that situation, those employees are owed severance. They're going to be owed severance like any other employee based on their age, position, and years of service. We see this all the time, John. I mean, literally, uh, you know, not a week goes by when we don't speak to a contractor who has been misclassified and who is, in fact, more an employee than a contractor and is therefore owed severance. Let's get to a call from uh, Craig. Hey, Craig, thanks for standing by. Brother, how are you? Hey, not too bad. Yourself? Beauty. What's on your mind? I'm just wondering, is it better if you work for an non-unionized company, and um, I'm in my 60th year, and I want to retire maybe to get potential other employment, is it better to tell the employer that I'm retiring, or is it better to tell them that, you know, put the two weeks notice? Yeah, good question, uh, uh, Craig. So, and I, by that I take it kind of your, you know, tell them that you're retiring or rather just simply resign uh, and call it a resignation. Yeah, like do there's it, no, yeah, do I, yeah. Like legally speaking, Craig, there is no do? huge difference. No? You no, know, there's no huge difference between the two. I mean, a, re a retirement is effectively a resignation. You're effectively saying the same thing in different words. You know, in any industry, one could retire, quote unquote, and then go find work elsewhere. So it's not as if this factor of you potentially working in the future will affect whether you call it a retirement or a resignation. Again, it won't make a difference at all, Craig. The only thing I would add is, well, does it matter from potentially a benefits point of view? Mm -hmm. Some employers, and particularly large employers, and if you've been there long enough, will have something like retiree benefits, where you might be able to continue your health benefits coverage for a nominal cost. Or you might have some other benefit if you retire rather than simply resign. You may want to look into that angle if it exists. If nothing like that of the sort exists, it doesn't matter, Craig. Call it what you want. You're resigning your employment, whether you want to call it a retirement or a simple right. resignation. The ret retiree benefits, uh, you know, again, apply not in a, in uh, rare situations. I'll call it. So unless that's an issue, it doesn't matter at all. All right. Is there does the company owe anything back for your years of service, or? Not in the event of a resignation or a retirement, Craig. No, you wouldn't no. be owed any severance, that's for sure. Uh, right. Provided, of course, it's a completely voluntary retirement, Craig. If you're retiring, let's say, or res resigning in protest to a major change to your employment, that's what we call a constructive dismissal, in which case you may be owed uh, a severance. But if this is a completely kind of unequivocal uh, uh, of free will resignation no listen you'd be owed any vacation pay that might be outstanding you'd of course be owed your pay until your last day of work and, and that's it and off you go that's what a resignation is all right thank you very much appreciate the help thanks craig appreciate uh, your time calling in again if you want to continue that conversation or any other questions that uh, come to mind later on you have an outlet to ask those with alex 1-855-821-5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca okay top employment law miss number four short-term employees get a little bit of severance not very much very little 
Yeah, another uh, another common one, uh, John, and that's to do with short-term uh, employees. And I'm talking here, John, employees with you know anywhere from you know a couple of months of severance to maybe a year and a half or two years of severance. I think that's what generally most uh, you know most people would consider short-term service ser- service rather anything under two years. I can tell you, uh, John, people are shocked when we have these conversations with them. You would be surprised uh, to hear that an employee with even three, four, five, six, seven, eight months of service, I'm not talking years here, John, I'm talking months of service, they've been with an employer for less than one year, they are going to be looking at several months of severance. Sometimes their severance period, John, can match their actual length of service. And that is a, a because the way the law works here, you know, it's important to keep in mind severance is ultimately meant to hold an employee over until they can find new work. It's why we look at factors such as age, position, length of employment. It's really to provide employees with that financial security during a job search period moving forward. And so even if you've only been with an employer for, let's say, six months, right, and half a year, it might take you several months, it will likely take you several months to go out there and find that next job. And so we see employees with, again, something like six months of service, right, six months of length of employment with the company being owed three, four, five, or even six months of severance depending on their age and their position and listen employers have a hard time with this stuff uh, john right they just can't wrap their heads around the fact that short service employees could be owed so much severance proportionately speaking but that is the way the law works john and i'm not making this stuff up there are plenty of cases out there cases in ontario that have been decided by our courts where these short service employees with very little service, very little length of employment, have received severance in the form of months uh, long periods, right? Again, anywhere between three and six months is where a lot of these short service employees end as far as their severance entitlements go. It's something that's commonly misunderstood, that's very little known, but it is exactly the way the law works. I will give you 30 seconds to answer this one. Number five, your employer can temporarily lay you off anytime because business is slow. Uh-uh. Yeah, temporary layoffs, another a big one and another big misconception. We deal with this uh, all, all the time. Temporary layoffs are not an inherent right that an employer has. You cannot lay an employee off temporarily as an automatic right. You need the employee's consent. Right. You need the employee to agree. If they don't agree... You cannot force that employee on temporary layoff. The employee can treat the temporary layoff as a termination and get the severance that they're owed. That's oftentimes the better decision because accepting the layoff means having to accept it the second, third, and fourth time again. And we are done for tonight. Back in tomorrow, 6.30. Until that time, you can reach out to Alex and crew, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca through email and the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.